This is a Pele Media Podcast. Welcome back to Jurassic Park Minute. Jurassic Park Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1993 film Jurassic Park Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you minute number 112 of Jurassic Park. Uh, we want to give a big thanks again to Jay Jurassic, who joined us on the show Monday and Tuesday. We had a great time with him on here. He is, of course, part of the Jurassic Park podcast, which we were guests on. Yes, uh, we were. We had a lot of fun with that. Brad Jost, who's the host, uh, Jost, who's the host of the most, um, was very kind to have us on and had a, had a really good time just talking all things Jurassic Park. Yeah, that's a great show. We had a lot of fun in there. We talked to him for almost like well over an hour. Brad's a great guy. He runs a great podcast. And if you haven't heard of the Jurassic Park podcast and you're listening to this, then I suggest you go look for it because if you like this show, chances are you're going to love that show. He has a fantastic news portion at the top of his show where he talks about all the goings on of Jurassic Park. Brady, you ready to go ahead and get into minute number 112? Let's do it. Let's do it. In the previous minute, we saw Lex and Tim outsmart the raptors in the kitchen. As the minute ended, Tim made a run for the open freezer door. At minute 112, a velociraptor leaps off a kitchen island and pursues a limping Tim who is running towards an open door of the freezer. At 112.05, the raptor leaps as Tim spins around behind the open door. The raptor misses Tim and slips on the icy floor. Tim manages to get to his feet and runs out of the open freezer door as the raptor stands up. At 1.12.15, Tim slams the freezer door on the raptor's head. Lex comes screaming from the other side of the kitchen and helps Tim close and lock the door. At 1.12.23, as Lex drops a locking pin into the freezer door, Tim takes a break to catch his breath. Lex grabs him from behind and leads him out of the kitchen. At 1.12.30, the raptor that had slammed its head into the kitchen cabinet while trying to get Lex stands up and watches the kids run out of the kitchen. At 1.12.35, Tim and Lex run out of the kitchen and into the dining area. Grant and Ellie meet the kids on the other side of the room. Ellie grabs Tim. Lex tells Grant that the other raptor is in the kitchen. Grant raises his shotgun and says, Control room. Everyone backs out of the dining room slowly. At 1.12.43, we cut to a shot inside of the control room. The four survivors can be seen running through the door. Ellie bursts through the door. Lex asks Ellie if they can call for help. Ellie tells her that they have to reboot the system first. Ellie attempts to boot up Nidri's computer. At 1.12.53, we cut to a shot of Grant, who is trying to brace the control room door. Dr. Grant yells at Ellie to enact the door locks. He looks down at the lock, which is not engaged. He lifts his head back up to tell Ellie to lock the door. As his head lifts, we can see the face of a velociraptor looking at him through a glass hole. Grant turns to see the raptor as it steams up the window with its breath. And thus ends minute 112 of Jurassic Park. So as I was watching this, uh, a thought came to my mind that... Tim and Lex close the door on the raptor with what relative ease, whereas in the next couple of minutes, we see the primary focus is trying to stop a raptor from getting into a door. Uh, did that right. Did that occur to you while you were watching this? Absolutely not. No, okay. No, I'm so swept up, uh, so swept up in everything that that no, I didn't. Um, well, I, it took me a second or two to figure out like why Tim and Lex, people who are a lot smaller than Ellie and Grant, would be having so much trouble stopping a raptor from getting out of the freezer. And then I thought about it for like two seconds, and I realized, oh, that's why they show the shot of the slippery floor and Tim trying to get away from yeah. it. That raptor has no that's, traction that's, at all. Right. That's the only. Uh, sense of it that i could make whereas later i'm assuming it's on carpet which you know is going to give it all kinds of help but uh yeah that's that's the only thing i can think um so you know minute 12 112 starts with the raptor like kind of kicking off of the table it was standing on 
and moving. And you'll notice that the table kind of like pushes back subtly whenever mm-hmm. it uses its weight to kick off. That is just one of those subtle things that they're implementing into the CG moment that really uh, gets my attention. You know, how it's interacting with this. The CG element is interacting with this real element yeah. um, in such a subtle way. And here we are at kind of the dawn of CGI when they're they're having sense enough to do stuff like that. It's uh, right. so cool, I think. Well, I think they knew, you know, and we've talked about this on the show before, but the, like the limitations of what CG were at the time, and they definitely thought ahead of time saying, well, how can we make this a little bit more believable? Okay, well, if this yeah. raptor was going to push with all of its force off of this island, it would kick back a little bit. So, of course, they just get a couple of interns or stagehands to lay down, and they say, shoot, push, and they just kind of rock it a little bit. But it's that one of those little things that just adds up to making you believe that what you're seeing is real. Also, they knew that maybe they shouldn't show the raptors on screen for more than a few seconds in CG form. So we get, you know, this kind of dark shot of it getting up. And I have to say, like, looking at it, in, you know, watch this a couple of times, its body movement is so fluid that you can tell, once again, that they worked out in, the, in their heads how the skeleton of the animal would work, you know, how all this yeah, stuff Yeah, I would. really... I really think this is one of the best moments of a raptor. And, you know, it's, it's funny because it only lasts like a second and a half probably. Yeah. But uh, like you're talking about, it's fluidity. Just every body movement looks so natural. Yeah, it um, does. Spielberg had a lot of uh, ideas early on that the more you see them turn their heads, spin their heads around, like the more they can turn their heads around. Uh, and then, of course, you know, their hips, you know, and their knees kind of coming all the way back just adds to so much, you know, to show that uh, agility. Is that a word? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Um, it just adds so much to it, you know, that I, I don't think they otherwise would have thought that early on. So it's impressive. Uh, we get the shot of kind of in between the raptor's feet as it's yeah. running after Tim. We've seen this earlier with Ellie a little bit. And this is one of my least favorite uh, things in the movie is this angle, is this shot. I, one, I think it's a little cheesy. It's a little monster movie, if you will. And... 50, 60 miles, cheetah speed, and these things are just taking kind of a, a light stroll. And it's also... Have you ever seen Phil Tippett's animatics where they, they did this same shot? I haven't seen these animatics, no. Okay. It's pretty incredible. Uh, everything from like the motion blur that they're doing to the speed at which it actually would be running is really impressive. It looks much more realistic than this actual physical uh, effect right here. So, eh, you know... It's a shame that they, they didn't do something. Maybe CGI would have worked a little bit better for this effect. I don't know. But it's something that always gets my attention. It, it is a little jarring, uh, especially, you know, because we, we, we got it earlier in the movie, and I think it probably would have been okay to do, like, once, you know, because in the darkness, kind of seeing that raptor move towards Ellie in the darkness, you can kind of buy that maybe down there it'd be a little bit slower. But, yeah, here, chasing a child who is dragging one foot behind him, it is a little yeah. bit like, why isn't going at full speed? And, of course, in the next shot, we cut to Tim running through the door, and it is on top of him, like, with its arms outstretched, right. screaming. Like, it's a really horrifying uh, shot yeah. of the raptor coming after him. So it is kind of weird. You get it really impressive athletically hopping off of that island to just kind of like do 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 you know like the feet <laughs> going like that to it like screaming bloody murder with its claws outstretched towards a child it's but of course you know tim they have to keep the logic going of you know his injury at the time so there has to i, I don't know i guess you have to show something to show like why it didn't leap off of that table and it was instantly on top of them you know you know there's something about certain types of shots that are they're they kind of spelt out the same way they have the same language and the same timing almost where you have an element in the background, it's coming at something in the foreground, and it's met just in time to not get what it wants. Uh, another example is 
Ellie, excuse me, Lex, whenever she falls through the ceiling tile later and the Raptors falling on the floor underneath her, right as they get her leg up through the uh, ceiling tile space, the Raptor just, you know, tries to snatch her and it's just out of time. And this is one of those moments where it gets up, comes to the foreground, they close the door just in time. Right. Uh, and it's so well done. It's, you know, it might as well be an actual, that, that head that's like poking through might as actually, might as well actually be an actual, man, I use the word actually a lot. Um, you actually do. It might as yeah. well, yeah, it might as well be uh, a real, you know, puppet. I, I cannot think of the right word. Yeah. But um, animatronic. It's so well done. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. And this is another case where just CGI that is unparalleled. Absolutely unparalleled. It's, you know, the door, the way the actual door, <laughs> there we go again, the way the door is interacting with the CGI is just, it, it makes it so much more believable in your head. Mm-hmm. If this CGI element is interacting and causing effect on this real element, then it must be real. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Um, we also get Lex running towards the door, yeah, which is so funny. But I mean, hell, if I was in that situation, I'd be hauling ass too with my arms outstretched. Just nothing else matters. I'm just going to scream. Yeah, It's kind of a predictable moment, but it doesn't matter. You know, predictability in movies like this doesn't matter. It, you, do you uh, mean the predictability of the fact that she would help him close the door? Or? No, no. The, the fact that it's going to come to the door and the door is closed. You know, the door shut just in time. And well, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. completely it's, shut just in time. He does slam it on its head. So it's just yeah, kind of yeah, like, you're right. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then that, my point is nil. So, well, no, I mean, uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I think they put that in there because if it had hit it with a full force and everything, like it would have knocked him backwards, but we, you know, we count the traction of the, the, you know, the floor, which has ice all over it. And then the fact that it's got its snout smashed in a door, it's not going to be working at full force. So the two children are able to lock it in there and, you know, uh, there's also no handle on the other side, so it can't open up or anything like that. And then, you know, Lex you drops go. that pin in there, which like we've decided when we were talking to, um, uh, you know, to I can't remember who it was we were talking to about it, but that raptor dies in there. I think it was actually Brad Jost. We were talking to him on the show that, you know, the raptor does, in fact, end up dead in there. But, you know, maybe it had a little while to eat the, you know, frozen steaks yeah. and stuff that were in there. Um, it also reminds me again of The Shining. Uh, the way that they lock, uh, you know, uh, Jack Torrance in the oh, yeah. in the freezer. You know, it's not exactly the same. You know, she hits him in the head with a baseball bat and then drags him in there and then drops the lock pin in. And then later, ghosts take it out, which it, that, that's, that's been up debate for debate for a while. The, the, if The Shining actually is a, a story of a haunted hotel or if the ghosts are all in Jack's head. But uh, Stanley Kubrick actually, in the Kubrick archives, you can find notes that he left uh, in an interview that there actually were ghosts that pulled the pin out and a- allowed him to come out of the room. So there actually was a supernatural element in there. There are no ghosts on Jurassic Park, so that raptor's going to die in there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the second kind of. Um, I don't need. I don't want to say it's an, uh, it's a homage or a reference. It's just kind of like if you shoot an action scene in a kitchen, there's only so much to use around you, and you know, right. locking something in a freezer is a good way to eliminate it as a threat. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, we we get it locked in there, and then we have another really impressive animatronic that Raptor kind of brings its head up and watches the kids across the room, and then we get this great like close up on it, like kind of sneering as they. As they exit there, yeah, very well done stuff. Um, it's this scene is also kind of reminiscent of uh, Ellie's encounter with the raptor in the maintenance shed earlier, just in mm-hmm. the sense that it's one of the few times the film uses handheld photography, and the closing of the door is met by the raptor hitting the other side just in time, and then of course uh, the shot where there's someone running away from the camera or the raptor, if you will, yeah. with a limp, 
and in the foreground is the Raptors' feet. So this is all true, calling yeah. back that in, that same encounter. There's a few other things too in there. It's like, hey, but, remember um, that thing that happened three minutes ago? <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, hey, does it bother you that Stanley Kubrick's notes were found and there's actually an answer for that, like kind of an official answer, assuming that you want to call his, you know, clearly it's the director's idea. That's kind of the end well, all be all of what's going on, but. I'm 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 a big um, uh, proponent of the death of the artist. So like whenever you make a piece of art and you put it up on the wall, you remove yourself from all objectivity of it. You know, as as the creator, it's just kind of like people get to decide what they want on it. But there is no definite answer to it either. So if he says, well, in my mind, it's ghosts, and then other people say like, well, in our mind, you know, it's Jack Torrance. The whole thing is him. You know, it's it's all inside of his head and his mental illness and alcoholism and stuff like that. It's kind of like it's whatever the viewer wants to see. What I do have a problem with are people getting out there and saying like there's a definite answer to this because of my head cannon that I figured out here you yeah. know like it's it, there's film is look people look too logically at film sometimes like nobody would watch uh, a David Lynch film and I've said this several times and tried to apply like real world logic to it you know all of this stuff is just it's a it's a big uh, production put on by like hundreds of people working on these things and you know sometimes things get overlooked or they don't exactly add up and for us to sit there and try to like look for patterns and like random numbers of like, you know, of what a film is sometimes it's not always, you know, there's not always an answer that lies in there, but what about you? Does that bother you? Uh, not necessarily. I I think I agree with you, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's kind of up to whoever I think, um, yeah, no, not not really, not yeah. so much. But I I do think it's interesting to look at an artist's intention, you know, kind of like find and you know Stanley Kubrick I think was kind of famous for not really commenting on his films except for in this one interview. It's really it's really weird. You can you can go out there and find it. I think it's linked on like the Wikipedia page for The Shining or something like that. Mm-hmm. But kind of like letting the mystery lie in the viewer, you know, like you can yeah. you could we will spend the rest of time trying to figure out what what 2001 was actually talking about, you know, and yeah. there's no 100 percent correct answer to that. So, but I, I, like, I don't want to know if Patrick Bateman killed everyone in the movie you know I've got my own little ideas but it's for someone to to give me that would be kind of uh I don't know it might be end up being disappointing yeah um the space jockey I did not need to know where that thing came from see for me that that one it opened up an entire new story it's it's a a different level and you know if you if you didn't want to know what the space jockey is and you can finish watching the alien franchise of just alien and not watch prometheus or the other films but for me it added an entire new level of intrigue to what's going on there so it's but like as you know like we were talking about it's kind of in the in the the eyes of the viewer you know it's kind of like if you just want to accept that as what that is then that's what it is to you you know yeah yeah exactly but uh, that's all i've got for this one that's all I have as well other than I just want to say real quick that I love the simple little trick they do here at the end where he's trying to lock the door and the mirror you know the window is open it's not there's not a whole lot of attention paid to it he looks down he comes back up and the velociraptor is looking at him through the through the little porthole uh, it's oh, a yeah. very very simple and very effective trick that is used uh, over and over again in action movies and horror movies to just kind of startle the audience and I never see it coming and I never get tired of it so it's just uh, this is one of the examples of it being used to great effect here so but yeah we end this minute on the perfect moment i think actually the next couple of minutes each one ends at like this great cliffhanger moment so yeah it really does uh right here we have the the raptor so all right well uh if that's all you've got that's all i've got so we'll be back tomorrow with minute number 113 enjoy it savor it because there's not very many minutes left so all right folks i'm kyle i'm ready and until next time hold on you guys Jurassic Park Minute is a fan-supported podcast. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. 
You can contact us at JurassicParkMinute at gmail.com and visit us online at JurassicParkMinute.com, Facebook.com slash JurassicParkMinute, and Twitter.com slash JurassicMinute. You've been listening to a Pele Media Podcast. For premium content and exclusive podcasts, visit us at patreon.com slash Media. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Media, and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash Media. Yeah.